Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode, and you're listening to Recode Media with Peter Kafka, powered by Digital Media. Before we launch Recode Media as its own podcast, you may have heard Peter over at my podcast, Recode Decode. Here's one of the fantastic interviews he did for Decode. Let's listen. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by Digital Media. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about Silicon Valley's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. This is our special weekly segment with host Peter Kafka, Recode's senior editor and producer of the Code Media Conference. Joining Peter each week are some of his favorite movers and shakers in the media world. Peter, this week you talked to Ev Williams, who was a speaker at the Code Media Conference last year and is one of the co-founders of Twitter, but you're talking to him about Medium, correct? We're going to talk to him about Medium, probably talk to him about Twitter. Maybe we'll talk to him about Blogspot, which is his first company. Ev has done right. three different companies around the idea of communicating ideas to lots of people. So I guess he's got kind of a wild hair about that idea. So we'll talk to him about that yeah. and, and the rest of the world. And you, you, you mentioned you talked to him in February at Code Media. That was one of my favorite interviews at that event. It's a great interview. So yeah. we want to sort of replicate that. And, and what, that. Do you, what do you think the big topics for him are right now? I think he still needs to explain to both readers and users and maybe even investors what he wants Medium to be when it grows up. It's only a couple of years old. I think it's still sort of vague in a lot of people's minds. And I think he's trying to figure out how to get more people to use his platform, whether it's to read stuff or write stuff. Right. Fantastic. Let's have a listen. Thanks. Hey there. I'm here with Ev Williams, who founded Blogger and co-founded Twitter and is now the founder of a third company, Medium. Hi, Ev. Hi. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, You were with us on stage in in February of this year. It was one of my favorite interviews uh, at the Code Media Conference. You did with Kara Swisher, so I was very jealous. I wanted to do one of my own. So thanks for for indulging me. My pleasure. Uh, We were saying off mic. Uh, that she spent a lot of that interview talking to care about whether Medium was a publisher or not. And yes. I think we've resolved that. Medium publishes stuff, but that's not your core business. Your core business is? We are a platform for people to publish stuff. I, th- I, I saw an ad. I was I was doing some Googling today in advance of the interview, and, and you guys had an ad pop up on one of my screens, and I think it said, buy writers for writers. Am I getting the tagline right? I don't know. I'm not so, in okay, charge so of the you're, ads, you're not in but... charge of marketing. <laughs> No, but but that does sound familiar. That's something we were playing with. It's not a it's not a tagline per se, but I think that did show up in an ad. So this is really interesting to me because you've done three startups and they're all based around the same idea, which is making it easier for people to publish stuff digitally, mm-hmm. right? So Blogger, you kind of kicked off the idea of blogging. It was difficult to publish on the internet. You made it relatively easy to do so. Then you went to Twitter. You made it really easy to publish 140 characters on the internet over your phone. And so when you launched Medium, I was a little confused because I thought, well, what, what is Ev trying to solve here that he hasn't already solved? Mm-hmm. There must be doing something else. I must not be understanding what he's yeah. doing. I think that was some of the confusion around what, when you launched initially. Yeah. What, what is the well, thing that makes you want to <laughs> figure out how to make it easier for me to publish on the Internet? It seems like that problem is solved. Yeah, that's what, I got a lot of that, especially from my friends when I started Medium, which was three years ago now. They're like, you're going to do what now? You're going to make it easy to publish right on the interwebs. And like, yeah, that seems like a thing that would be cool. And so, well, isn't that possible? And, and didn't you do it? Yeah. Twice? Well, I, I played in that box for a while, but yeah, it just seemed like there's more to do. And it seemed like you could certainly publish. You can put your thoughts out there very, very easily. And that was pretty much the motivation of the first two companies, make it easier to put thoughts out there with the theory that more people doing that would would make good things happen. And I think we, on the whole, I still believe that's true. And it also is true that it was easy enough. 
But it seemed like more was possible in terms of making us smarter, which I always go back to is, okay, so why, why are we putting all those thoughts out there? And there's lots of different reasons. There's different reasons, different motivations people have. But it didn't seem to me like we'd reached the epitome of what the internet was capable of in terms of getting the best ideas and perspectives out of humanity's brains and moving those around into the other brains where they would be useful. And that was just such a cool idea in terms of what, what the internet is. That And I looked at the state of the, that world in 2012, and it just seemed like it could be improved. In all well, kinds what of is ways. the thing that isn't working? It seems like I can, if I don't use Medium, there's a million ways, and one of them is Twitter, one of them is Facebook, one of them is something like Blogger, mm-hmm. where I can reach millions of people who have mm-hmm. never heard of me. I can write whatever length I want. I can add video. I can do all right. this sort of stuff without really knowing how to do anything technically at this point. Yes. It's not the technical aspects of it, um, but we wanted to make the simplest way possible for you to share an idea or a story of substance when with some length, which you can't do currently on Twitter. You can do it on Facebook. You can set up a blog. Those are really the only well-known options to do it. And so there are a couple of theories. One is that while we don't expect most people to do this in general, and we, and but of those who want to do it, I think there are way more people who occasionally have an idea or a story to tell. And by the way, there are millions of people who know how to write, articulate in a well-constructed prose who ne- don't necessarily know how to create other forms of media. And they don't do it because, not because they don't care to occasionally. Um, many of them care to and don't do it because the idea of setting up a blog and a website and committing to doing that on a regular basis, which is the implied commitment of becoming a blogger, is a much much too high a bar. And what they care... I have one idea. Yeah. I have one thought. I want to get it across now or this week. I may not want to come yeah. back again for six months. Exactly. And that should be okay. And there's really not been a way to do that online. Now, you can do it on, on a social network if your friends are seem like the right audience. And that's good for some stuff. But there's a lot of stuff that may be an interest or a passion of yours that you share where your friends aren't necessarily right on it. So that doesn't seem like the right context to do it. And so we wanted to give... For that population, the simplest, most straightforward way, a, a blank piece of paper to say, here, put your thought down here. We'll make it look good. We'll make you think um, about your words and about your story, not about what CMS you're using and, and the design of your template or what your URL is. And most importantly, will help you find the audience that will be receptive to it. Right. And this is sort of after talking to you several times, this is sort of I think I finally figured out what you're trying to do, right? It's not so much the publishing tools that you're concerned about. It's the distribution tools. Right. The publishing tools, are you need to start going. But right. then, in theory, you're going to make it easy or easier for me to get my stuff in front of people who don't know me. Right. But might want to read what I have to read. Right. And so there's am two I, am things. Am I getting that correctly? That's, that's exactly okay, right. Good. So this is where Medium is different than Blogger. We completely missed this with Blogger and then most blogging tools. They were simply, they were software to create a website and to update that website. And put it on the web where it would yes. sit. And what Medium is combines that with not only distribution, but feedback mechanisms that are built in and, and the ability to, to build an audience over time. So a lot of the mechanisms that we now are completely familiar with because of social media, like the follow and the like or the equivalent and the, the retweet and the reply or the equivalents, uh, were not built in blogs. Comments were 
the way you retweeted or or shared a blog post back in the day is you copied the URL and you wrote mm-hmm. a new blog post and you created an href and you said, go read that other blog post. And that worked, but it was a lot of friction. And so the theory with Medium is that if lots of people are sharing these bigger thoughts in the same network and when you build, you make the friction really low to refer to each other and to discover other like things, then you'll get a lot more people doing it and you'll get a lot and the good stuff will rise to the top. So there's two really big discovery mechanisms or big discovery platforms out there. You built one of them, Mm -hmm. Twitter. Facebook's another one, even bigger. Whenever I hear people saying, well, we want to make discovery easier, we want to make distribution easier, and they're not saying we're going to work on Twitter or Facebook, it seems Mm -hmm. like they're fighting, they're pushing a rock up a hill. It seems like you would know better than anyone how difficult it is to create an entirely new network, and that seems like what you're talking about. Or a shorter version of that question, why not just use Twitter or Facebook to distribute Medium posts? You can. It's complimentary, and clearly, like most of the internet, we get a tremendous amount of the distribution and traffic via those platforms, um, as well as Reddit occasionally and, and other large ones. But today, the Medium network has grown enough that if I publish on Medium, I will get more views via Medium and certainly more reads than I will by tweeting a link myself with almost 2 million followers on Twitter. Because so, Medium is now all sort of gotten good enough at sort of sharing stuff yeah so there's enough people there's enough people reading medium either directly launching the app or going to the homepage, or that even if they do come in through the side door they're then poking around and seeing what else is interesting to them that it is a real source of distribution and meaningful engagement which is also important where even if you do get the person from twitter to come to your blog then what do they do do they like what you really have very little except for comments to to know if someone is engaging or or even likes what you have to say and so medium is also building these feedback mechanisms on top and the most my favorite is highlights which don't really exist on on any other blogging platform so people you can see not only that people liked what you said but you can see oh this particular sentence resonated with me or and as a reader I enjoy reading things on medium because there's this sense of shared attention and intelligence from the network. So I, I read a lot of Medium posts, but I think I'm getting all of mine shared from Twitter or Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I must have signed up for Medium at some well, – I know I did because I get email from you every day right. telling me I should read stuff. But the distribution mechanism I'm using to find your stuff is Twitter and Facebook. And I don't think I've logged in. I can't remember when I've logged in. And it seems like the stuff you're talking about works best if I log in. So how, how right. is that going? How is the process of it's getting you to like me to sign on? It's you know you'll come around. You'll log in soon. Um, how are you gonna How are you gonna lure me into that? Uh, well, what are you gonna give me? The, <laughs> I'd encourage you to try it out. It's um, it's a better experience when you're logged in because your network on Medium is present once you're logged in. So you when you land on an article or a post, you see who you follow, who's recommended it. You see their highlights within the... Uh, you. It affects what responses or comments you see. That adds a lot of value to a piece. If I'm reading something and I follow you and you've highlighted something in that piece and your name is there, it's immediately more compelling and interesting to me than if... Even if you commented on, on Twitter and even if I got there via Twitter... If it's it's the idea that there's this people layer and intelligence built into the content itself, that I think creates a much more compelling experience. So you've got I think what's the last numbers you've shared? Twenty five million users, people who are checking out Medium. That's uh, 
that was the last number we shared in terms of people reading. Reading, and yeah. then you, and you haven't shared how many of them are, are registered or, or sort of active users or logged in users. I don't think we've shared that recently. You don't, you, you, you've got a whole issue around I, metrics. We can talk about that in a second. Do, do I have an issue around metrics? That's, yeah. That's what I've read. You know, and I want to ask you some business questions, but I have okay. to do some business myself first. So here we go. If you love all things media like I do, you should join me at Code Media 2016, February 17th and 18th in Laguna Niguel. That's in California. Southern California is really nice. Uh, Code Media brings together more than 300 of the most influential people in media and technology for two days full of candid, unscripted conversation, like the kind I'm having here with Ev and the kind we had with Ev in February. You can find out more at recode.net slash events. That really was a good thing we did in February. So that was, that was pretty good. I like how you pointed out Southern California. It's the nice part of California. It's the nice part of California, especially if you're in February. Yeah. It's, it's nice. Um, we'll bring you back. So let's talk about business a bit. So right. you've you've raised a bunch of money. By internet standards, a little, a little bit. In 2015 standards, you're kind of modest. I think your valuation is yeah. around 400 million bucks. Yeah, 450. Was 450 the is the is the official. 457 was the post. There we go. Does that have significance? I know you guys sometimes no like, like, wait. Like there was a thing with with obvious w- ventures where you, you had to giggle. One, two, three, four, five. Exactly. Yeah, uh, but this one just just happens just, to be that just happened. We started at 400 and we raised 57 million. So it seemed we started with a round number. Good. So you've, you've raised some money. I think the plan is for to sell ads, right? There's, you sort of tiptoed around it for now. Well, among other things. You know, we've been pretty – we haven't been meaning to tiptoe. We've been – I think there's a good ad business within Medium. And like like any content platform at scale, I think there's there's a good possibility for an ad business. But we're not limiting ourselves to ads because I think there's – particularly for the type of content on Medium, I think there's a lot of it that, that could be – user supported as well meaning i would pay to read something you pay to read it or or even patronage type models could be interesting i think what what we want to do as a platform is give publishers the choice and make give different options that make sense for different types of content and because it's that will be built at the platform level and individuals or, or creators won't have to necessarily invent the system themselves there'll be eventually a menu that they can select from and I think a couple of years ago, if you proposed the idea that, hey, I'm going to create a big platform and I'm going to uh, sell content or help people sell content, but I'm going to sort of own it. So I'm going to own the platform. This stuff is sold on. It would have caused a lot of anguish. And now it seems like Facebook, Snapchat, Apple, there's a lot of big internet companies that are hosting and content selling it, selling advertising. And people seem sort of comfortable with that idea. Do you think that's just sort of a natural evolution? Yeah, I think it's a natural evolution. And it's it's when... We started Medium a few years ago. It was based on a lot of things. One of the, one of the theories, macro theories long term, is there's going to inevitably be a convergence of distribution points for media. And it's going to make less and less sense to publish on the web. And not that people will stop doing that. And I, I hope they don't stop doing that. But where the majority of interaction and distribution is going to come from is going to be down to a handful of platforms. And that seemed inevitable because it's a better experience and more efficient both for creators and consumers. And it's going to make sense from a business standpoint. And even for advertisers, it's going to make more sense if you're an advertiser or if you're a reader willing to pay for content. It makes more sense as, as a reader if you can consolidate uh, that experience and you enter your credit card in one place. And you see things like iTunes have worked like this for a long time and that it seems like seem... here for if you're a traditional publisher, that idea is is kind of frightening because you're seeing stuff that might have gone to you if you say ran the New York Times now shows up on Medium instead, and it's sort of harder to sort of justify your existence. I think the role of publishers will change for sure long term. Um, I think someone like the New York Times has very little 
well, they have a lot to worry about, but not about whether they're, there's not a question about whether their existence has value. But the role of publishers as a distribution point will change, but I don't think that threatens their existence. I think there's still a role of packaging and bringing together with an organization all the different skills required to create high quality content, just like you and I here are in a studio you didn't just show up and turn on your iphone that was my old method of of doing yeah which which works as well it turns out but you guys do things at a higher level that requires a bunch of people and there's an organization required to do that and so there's a room for that sort of sort of media in people's lives as well as there's a room for the individual and the brand that will be built by doing those type of activities will still have value, even if it's being consumed at different places. So I mentioned the Times for a reason, because I thought this was one of the most interesting things that happened to you or to your company this year. So this summer, the Times published a big story about Amazon, generated a ton of interest. The Times very proudly said that it generated more comments on the Times than it had ever seen before. And then like two months later, and we're not quite sure why it took this long, Amazon responded with a post on Medium. And then later that day, the Times responded, and we assumed they would respond on their own website since they're the newspaper of record, but instead they responded on Medium. What did you make of that? I mean, I'm assuming you were gratified that they were having this discussion on your platform, but why do you think they ended up doing it there instead of somewhere else? Why the Times specifically? The Times and why Amazon? Why do you think they went to Medium for this? I think they went to Medium because what what better place to go? I mean, I... <laughs> I mean, they could have done but, it on Twitter. They could have done it on Facebook. Well, they can't. Well, they could have published technically, on their own you, site. Can't, you couldn't have done it on Twitter, right? Right. There, there is a 140 character. They could have had a link on Twitter. To where, though? to their own website. They publish plenty of stuff on their own website. Right. So I think it depends on who you're talking to and who the audience is. And Medium today happens to have um, an influential audience of a lot of tech and media insiders and journalists. And so maybe that's who they wanted to reach, but maybe they wanted a platform that was neutral, that if you're going to publish something, you want it to get as much attention as possible versus your own website. If you don't have a lot of readers there on a daily basis, which most corporate blogs don't, even if they're big companies, because who goes and reads corporate blogs all day, then you're probably going to get some distribution jump. Um, right, because Recode and TechCrunch and the New York Times are all going to point to back exactly. to the blog. Why does it matter where it gets published? There's additional distribution you get through Medium by publishing. About 30% of overall views in Medium posts come from Medium itself. Did you go to Amazon and say, by the way, when you respond to the Times in two months, we have a platform for you? I do not believe we went no. to Amazon, although we do have a team that, that does outreach. That does outreach. And you do get more distribution on average than because all those places will also point to Medium, but there's also spread with within Medium. But it's also a matter of look and feel, and it's why there's m- infinite options for where to publish today. But but it depends on what you want to be surrounded with and the appearance you want to to take on. And I think medium one of the roles medium is starting to play is the place to have your say, especially if you're in the focus of news to say, here's actual, here's my story and from my perspective. And I think that's a valuable role. And if people understand Medium as a place to do that, then they'll do that more and more, and people will understand what they're reading. I couldn't imagine a better stamp of approval than to have those guys duking it out on your platform. We didn't mind it. Didn't mind it. So when does that become, when does that translate into money and dollars? You've, you've, this is, again, your third company. You've had the how are you going to make money question a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you approaching it this time around in terms of, all right, within, we're in year three. Why don't we want to do this in year four? We want significant revenue or year yeah. five. Um, I'm approaching it differently than we did at Twitter because the dynamics of the platform are different. So at Twitter, we somewhat famously pushed off making any revenue at all for a long time. 
And the reason for that was simple. Was because we wanted something that was integral to the product and really developing revenue meant developing a big part of the product for a part of the user base. And it wasn't going to help growth. We didn't think it would hurt growth. But um, on Medium, we actually think it'll help growth because if there's a tier of content we want, which is what professionals create, that it, and there is a huge part of the media ecosystem, as you very well know, that is looking for new solutions, and particularly the independent web, which is mostly makes makes their money on display ads, which I think long term are are going to do less and less well, especially via mobile. And so, we think we can offer them a better home and a monetizable home on Medium that will actually be enable them to pay the bills. And so you want you want to start looking at revenue as as a way that'll help the product, encourage more people to publish with you because there's a reason for yeah. them to do it. Yeah. So our first phase of looking at revenue for Medium is not for Medium Inc. to make money. It's is to get professional creators paid. And that happens when? And they'll when? Um early yeah. 2016. So that in, in what form will that be? Do we know yet? You, you must eventually know. a, a Definitely, there'll be an ad or, or branded content form mm-hmm. that is most likely brands who publish on the platform paying for distribution and sponsorship. We've done a bit of that already. Um, with and you'll share that with, with me brands. as a creator. Yeah. yeah, if it's if it's on your content, what what we see ourselves doing is is not necessarily going out and selling the ads and saying here as a creator you get some of this money, but creating the right marketplace for brands to find the content creators they want to want to sponsor and maybe maybe we bundle them maybe we package them up and help help make the deals happen but we don't want to limit ourselves to advertising i think there's tons of content that will make money sense to for people to pay for so that's a different approach than twitter is that is that you saying well that i want to do something different than the way i did it at twitter or it just happens to be the the way that makes sense for this i think it makes sense for medium and what what we did at twitter were great and there was a lot of question for a long time about how we we're going to make money. And it's always an impossible question to answer before you're making money because no one believes you. But <laughs> to us, it always seemed like there's a very obvious business in Twitter that was probably advertising related. Although, whatever the case, it was, there was tons of commercial usage of Twitter from early on. And we knew we could, it, there was a valuable service that was providing a business service and we we're going to make money from those businesses. And it happened to be the best way to do that was to charge them for more distribution. For Medium, the reason I'm saying it's different is because the revenue running through the system of Twitter didn't make people tweet more. It it just enabled us to pay for the infrastructure. On Medium, we'll be creating a, a three-sided marketplace where, where some of that money will go back to publishers, or maybe the majority of that money at first will go back to publishers who are at the professional level and some of that will be user-supported as well, and then that will enable them to publish more. I was reading an interview where you said, well, one thing that I, I sort of screwed up, either a blogger or Twitter, was I was relatively new to, to running a company, and I didn't I didn't know how to trust my gut, and you th- would bring in advisors and investors, and you sort of listen to well-meaning people's advice, but maybe you take the wrong turn. Are there things that you wanted to do at Twitter and either got talked out of or talked yourself out of that you're doing here? Regarding monetization or in any, any part of running a company, you tell me. <laughs> uh, there's there's many things regarding running running the company that. Give me one. Uh, it, it's running company usually has to do with team and, and people, so I don't I'm not don't want to get into to particular instances or names, but yeah, every time around you have new challenges and and you you correct for what you did before. So one thing I did at Medium. 
um, that I overcorrected for actually is engineering. So I had created two products that got to product market fit and then had crappy engineering. Um, so at Blogger and, and yeah, so they get problems with scaling and the fail whale. Exactly. So people remember this about Twitter, but Blogger we had similar problems. Blogger uh-huh. uh, didn't scale well until we got to Google and we rebuilt it, and that was when when it was tiny. And uh, so Medium, I never wanted to have that problem. So we started. I hired much better engineering. Um, well, first thing is I didn't write the code myself, <laughs> which I didn't do at Twitter Twitter either early on, but I did a blogger. And uh, so I just put a bigger emphasis on engineering. So I you sort of make this sort of hardened sort of like bomb yeah. shelter of, yeah, a, of, exactly. a, of, a, of a platform. So Medium has hardly ever gone down, but um, it was probably over-engineered for a little while before we figured out exactly what it was. And then we were slow which just makes it slower to change. It's funny, this came up, I don't know, last week, Kobe Bryant announced that he was going to retire this year, and he put it up on Players Tribune, which right. is this weird platform for professional athletes because they right. can't find a voice somewhere else. And immediately, as soon as he tweeted out the link, it crashed, and everyone said, oh, it should have gone to Medium. Right. Which, again, I guess is encouraging for it you. should have gone to Medium, obviously. Um, yeah. Maybe there's some way for someone to reach out to him, your <laughs> outreach team. We can, maybe. We'll, we'll try to help. Probably. Um let me ask you another Twitter question. Uh, how active are you in sort of the direction of the company? You're obviously a major shareholder. Uh, you're on the board. Are you offering Jack or anybody else day-to-day advice? Sure. I, I'm trying not to meddle, but I get involved when I think I can be helpful or when asked. And so there's there's the formal discussions, obviously, at the board level. I was very involved with the CEO selection process. And uh, since then, talked with Jack a few times and other members of the team about where we're going. Is he coming to you, or are you sort of dropping him a note and saying, hey, check this out? A little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah. I had a great story that I've, I've been unable to tell until now, so now I have your blessing to tell it, which is the last time I chatted with you, it happened to be on the day of Twitter earnings. You weren't actively involved in that. And I, wish I showed up and met you, and it was also the day that the Twitter's earnings had leaked accidentally, there was mm. some sort of web scraper. I was explaining this to you. I was delivering the news to you firsthand. He said, really? And you picked up your phone. He went, oh, shit. And he looked at, I think, a chart that saw Twitter stock tanking. And I figured you probably lost a couple hundred million bucks on, on paper over those couple minutes. Right. And then you turned your phone over, and that was it. Like, you didn't, you didn't shoot out a bunch of frantic emails. You didn't try to figure out what was going on. You were, it seemed like you had enough distance from the company that you could let it. What well, is a calamitous thing happen and sort of step away from it? Am Good. I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad you saw. You, that you, felt, you felt very zen about yeah, it, or yeah. at least you, you came off very zen. Well, good. You know, there's probably there's not a lot I could I could do. That's that's one of the advantages now also of uh, medium. If it if it were to go down, I wouldn't know what the hell to do about it. But you've got people when, who can. Yeah, and they will know about it. You know, before I will. Whereas blogger day is, I would be literally the one in. That's when you still touched your own servers, and I would be getting the page and then which you would get on a pager and then drive down to the data center and uh, tweak things and duct tape things together. Um, so it's, it's good that all that's evolved a little bit. It's, it's much easier to have people doing that stuff for you. You said you were involved very hands-on in the CEO search. From the outside, that was a really weird thing to watch. <laughs> you guys had to put out a statement through the SEC at one point announcing that you could not be the CEO of Twitter if you had another full-time job, which seemed like a crazy statement to make. Um, and then you ended up hiring Jack, who has a full-time job, so you had to sort of go back mm-hmm. on that statement. What was going on there that, from the outside, confused us so much? Well, it was the only— Was it as confusing inside as it was on the outside? It wasn't that confusing inside. It was—there were some communications challenges, which were really tricky. And because of the scrutiny on the search, 
we were incredibly sensitive about uh, leaks. We knew anyone involved in the search or who we were talking to was going to be very sensitive. Obviously, they have a job and and don't get this job, then they're in trouble. And and then if one person leaked, then that might have a chilling effect on everybody else. And the reason we put out that statement in particular, which may or may not have been the right thing to do, was this is be- a statement saying you have to have this is a full time job. Yeah, is because we we were getting lots of questions about whether or not Jack was really if this was just for show. And Jack was really going to be in no matter what. We were worried that would have a chilling effect on who would participate in the search. And it was the stance of many people on the board when we started that that it was required to be full time. And and as I've said publicly, we wished Jack were full time, and um, we made we made a compromise to put him in the role. But we thought it was the best choice, and so we did have to go back on that statement. But our hope was that that would, uh, because it was a real search. I mean, the the other thing that some people doubted is like this is a this is just for show. But it wasn't. It was absolutely a real search, and we wanted to make it clear to people it was a real search. And many people felt strongly at the time that that was a requirement. So we thought that would have increased our odds of engaging the right people if we stated that publicly. So did something change either at Twitter or at the board level about Jack's performance that made you guys think, uh, you know what, he, he can do this. He can literally have two jobs at the same time and one of them is running Twitter. Yeah. I mean, one is he had, by the time we made the call, he had been doing the job for three or four months. And he was doing it well, by all accounts, internally. And um, he had the trust of the team. And that was, that was worth a lot. And it was also there were other compromises about all the people that we would bring in externally. And we had excellent candidates, but they weren't ideal for one reason or another, we felt. So so we felt like you know, we're going to make a, a compromise one way or the other. This is the one that we have the most confidence in. And uh, so <laughs> that was our call. When, when he came, he did this before, we had two jobs, and he was at Square and Twitter. He came back. I think it's the official title was Chief Strategy Officer, and he got this question for you know it's the six month period, however long he did it, and he had this answer that it seemed everyone sort of nodded their head when he offered it, but it, it seemed bizarre to me. He said, "Well, the way I can do this, the way I can run, be have two full time jobs at, at Twitter and Square is that I have a, an apartment that's equidistant between the two, and everyone sort of nodded their head and said, "Oh, that makes sense." But he doesn't he doesn't make that argument anymore. Um, it still seems confusing to me how you can pull this off, but you seem like he, you feel confident that he can do it. I think he's doing a great job yeah. right now, and I'm excited to see what happens. So uh, back to Medium, this you are CEO of this company, and you were CEO at Twitter, and then you weren't. Is there anything that you learned at Twitter about sort of being CEO of a startup that you're going to put to work at Medium? Uh, hopefully. Hopefully I learned, <laughs> learned many things. That's another half-hour podcast, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's that's a long list. But I was CEO of Twitter from 30 people to 300 people. It was two years. It was a whirlwind. And I made many mistakes, and I'm trying to make slightly fewer mistakes now. Um, one of them that I'm always reminded of myself is the degree to which you have to, as you scale, make communication a higher and higher priority. Is cliche, but that's something that I wasn't as attuned to when I did that. And when you go from 30 is about the size where everyone's pretty much on the same page and, and as things are evolving, you know why you're doing things. And 300 is significantly past the scale where everybody doesn't know what's going on. And so your communication methods have to change dramatically and you have to repeat yourself a lot more and you have to be better when you do your all hands and you have to you have to be much more in line 
with your execs and your management team. So the same message is getting communicated all over the place. Otherwise, it just causes a lot of churn and anxiety. And uh, so that's something I've been trying to get better at. Medium is about 85 people right so now. So how's that going? Somewhere in between. Maybe you'd have to talk to a team. But I'm at least if I'm making the same mistake, I'm aware of it now. That's a good place to leave it. We'll come back in a year and ask you how it went. Sounds good. Ev, thanks for coming by. My pleasure. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening to this interview as much as I did conducting it, you should subscribe. You can catch up on previous episodes. Be the first to listen to new ones on recode.net slash decode. Recode Decode is now twice a week. Kara Swisher's back on Monday. She's got another great interview. And I'll be here on uh, next Thursday with Helio founder Rufus Griscom. See you soon. This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by Digital Media. For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes, featuring candid conversations with leading voices like AOL CEO Tim Armstrong, Goldman Sachs' CIO Marty Chavez, the team behind the hit TV show Empire, Shark Tank investor Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. They're all on Recode Replay.